Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Our business is public relations, coaching, and strategy. If you are in the market for communication road mapping, media relations, social and digital branding, coaching and event preparation, or any other services that you think we can be of value, please reach out at www.provisionadvisors.net. Welcome to a great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. This is the post-game show brought to you by Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis. Why is it great? Because as we are recording this on Sunday, we are still basking in the afterglow, as they like to say, um, from an incredibly exciting uh, victory yesterday, 34-30 to 30 over a very, very good UCF team by the Naval Academy football team. So, you know, let's get right into it. Ward, I had a couple of huge things um, that I was pointing to in the second half as we were talking about the keys of the second half. Um, some of those came true, some of them didn't, but then some other things happened that I that I really thought turned the tide. Um, you know, from your perspective as a fan and your perspective right down there on the sidelines, um, I was just amazed at the energy of the stadium and then how in the fourth quarter, Ty Lavatai appeared to be someone who did not want to be stopped as a leader and as a football player. That is my take. Over to you. What were your thoughts? So first half characterized by unforced errors, drop pass in the flats, a couple of illegal procedures, false starts, um, et cetera. The blocked punt was huge, obviously. Um, but I think we would say overall missed opportunities and some concern that we were losing our motivation in the face of, of these uh, discipline issues. And then in the second half, all I saw was a team that didn't give up a lot of heart led primarily by Ty Lavatai. I think yesterday, and I tweeted this and, you know, Gina is a friend of the show. And, and I said, you know, your boy had his debut, although this wasn't his first start. It was, I think, the first time that he was able to have the confidence of knowing that if he had one misstep, he wouldn't be rotated out. So good on Coach K for committing to Ty. I don't know if that was a conscious decision they made beforehand, because we had criticized that before in terms of the three-way revolving door and nobody being allowed to find themselves, find their game, get their confidence. And, you know, with the previous matrix, Ty could have been benched, you know, earlier in the game, but um, they stuck with him and, and he really did. And I saw it up close and personal, the, the, the extra effort, the secondary effort, the way he just took the face shots when he got to the sidelines and and just nodded and, and took the correction to heart and basically did what had to be done. And so I think what we saw there, and to quote what Wags has said before, um, this is the beginning of the Thai Lavatai era. Don't want to 
overstate it, but certainly he laid claim to being the starter in a big way yesterday. Also, I will say Chance Warren was a great leader on the sidelines when they were down. He just matter-of-factly told folks, it is not over. We're still in this. And he was right. So, you know, every time we count this team out, including the second half of the Houston game, we're proved wrong. And so I'm happy to be wrong in this case. And I just hope that this is the beginning of the confidence they need to execute and have more wins. They can, they can play in this conference. They proved it yesterday. And I think there was some doubt up to yesterday whether that was possible with this particular lineup. They can play in this conference. The other thing I will say about the coaching staff, they are super professional in the face of adversity. They never lose their heads. And they just stick with the game plan. I'm just so impressed and so lucky to be on the home sideline for the games and watch that up close and personal. So proud of the team. Said as much to Chet, who was very pleased, obviously, at the end of the game. And here's hoping that this sets the tone for the rest of the season in a, a good way, in a way that we doubted was possible. Yeah, very well put, Ward. And, and you made reference to the disciplinary issues at the beginning. You know, we were, we were very outspoken uh, in the press box about the uncharacteristic plays by Diego, who had a Herculean effort out there. Let's not forget the fact that he made an amazing play on the fake field goal before the end of the half. Uh, he was all over the place. But a couple of times, very uncharacteristically, and it sort of reminded me of the weird targeting calls that Kevin Brennan was getting last year. The late hit out of bounds by Diego was huge and absolutely way late and way bad. Um, the, the jumping off sides on a third down really extended a drive and resulted in points. And then, you know, they called the face mask on Jarius Warren. But I, I thought it was Diego's hand on the face mask for the personal foul there. You know, Wags, uh, over to you. You wrote a great article this morning in the Capitol. I encourage everyone to get onto the Capitol Gazette uh, website and read Wags's expert analysis and recapping what was just a thrilling, thrilling game and probably uh, one of the most exciting, um, exciting Navy football games I've seen in years. And I mean many years, including my time there as the PAO. You know, take us from Diego's performance and the up and the down of it, and then your overall assessment as to how this team overcame such a large deficit to win by four. Well, John, it was certainly a gutsy effort by Navy because things looked bleak when uh, US, UCF took the 30 13, 30 to 17 lead, 13 points. Late in the third quarter, you thought, how is Navy going to overcome this? And they, they seemed deflated and obviously a lot of self-inflicted wounds. And that's the one thing is that as great as this win was and as uplifting as it was, and frankly, it's, it's, it could be season changing, provided that some other things happen. But to, you very rarely win a game in which you fumble at your own 15-yard line and your own 10-yard line leading to one-play scoring drives, touchdown drives, uh, that's hard to overcome. And the penalties were hard to overcome. And it wasn't just Diego Fago. Offensively, you know, the, the first drive of the game, they get a first down right away, and you think, 
wow, you know, they might be able to get a nice drive going and there's a chop block penalty that basically ends the drive. And then that was followed by Carlino Stacey's fumble that led directly to a touchdown. And then, you know, there were offsides penalties on offensive linemen, just un- things you cannot do and expect to win. But Navy overcame all of it, which was very, very impressive. And Ty Lavatai seized the quarterback job. There's no question. Now we, we know now what the coaching staff saw, which led them to, to install him as the starter in the season opener. He had command of the offense. He read things well. He distributed the ball where it needed to be. I mean, it, that was the first time in a long time that the triple option really clicked on all cylinders. And we saw the ball getting dealt to the slot backs. And Carlinas AC obviously had a great day, career high rushing, 88 yards. But the fullbacks also, well, got going. So the, the Navy was and, – and Ty had some nice runs. He's not the fastest guy. He's not quick or elusive, but he is a tough runner. He breaks tackles, and he somehow – he always goes forward when he is going down. And so the, you had all elements, quarterback keep, slot back pitch, and fullback dive all working, and that sets up what? the play action pass. And obviously Ty hit Chance Warren on a huge play, nice little pirouette by Chance, and he gained a lot of yards after the catch. But it was great to see the offense clicking, and I hope to goodness that Navy can keep that going, that this was not just a one-game mirage, that this is now what we're going to see for the rest of the season. And then the defense came up big. Down the stretch, Navy outscores Central Florida 17-0 in the in the fourth quarter, and the defense deserves a lot of credit. Diego Fago hits a wide receiver from behind, causes a fumble. Taylor Robinson recovers. That leads to points. Then on the final drive, when UCF drove deep into Navy territory, had a chance to maybe score a winning touchdown, it was Taylor Robinson coming up a big again with an uh, interception in the end zone. So the defense shut down Central Florida. Think about this. Central Florida averages 44 points a game. I think I saw a note that Central Florida has scored 30 points or more in 51 of its games, of its last 56 games or something like that, and that in 30 of those games they scored 40. This is a, a high-powered, well-oiled machine. Take away the two touchdowns that were one-play touchdowns because of Navy's fumbles, and they score 16 points. Got to give Navy defensive coordinator Brian Newberry a lot of credit for his defensive game plan and they went with that three safety alignment again which is very unique and it worked against Houston and it worked again against Central Florida so good on Brian Newberry for being so uh you know innovative yeah I agree and and I'm going to toss it over here to Chris Cervello and and really good analysis there I thought the defense was uh very much the key which a lot of people wouldn't think um, when the final score is 34 to 30, um, you know, you, you would think, oh, well, that's, you know, that was a, a shootout and the defense was getting just smoked the whole time. I really don't think that was the case. Again, some offensive issues uh, and turnovers, particularly so early um, to come back from that very early turnover and then they just score on the next play uh, was huge. So for the defense to take that slap in the face and keep going, I thought was was really was really nice. So you know, Chris Cervello, over to you. I mean, we were in the press box. Uh, we watched the end right there in the lily pad with a lot of the uh, football brotherhood, and they were obviously see they were obviously incredibly happy to see this 
losing streak end. Um, what what were your thoughts in general as to what the keys were? Um, you know that 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 got us this in very important victory. As the road ahead does not get any easier. So I want to talk a little bit about the intangibles. And Ward mentioned this in the uh, the pregame last week. Um, the vibe at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium yesterday was just amazing. Part of that is because, you know, we didn't get to feel it and see it last year. But for as much as the mids uh, and the coaching staff didn't quit, I- I've really felt like the fan base didn't quit on, on this team. And and again, I don't know if it's because we we haven't had that atmosphere for a year, but everybody we talked to going into the game, you, know, you mentioned uh, the lily pad and those folks when we were, you know, even the mids that we were talking to up into the press box. I mean, just everybody felt that not only did we have to win, but that we were going to win. Um, and that's, uh, you know, you talked about your time at the, uh, when you were at the Naval Academy and, you know, we've talked about the the heyday when Keenan Reynolds was there and, and, and others. I mean, that's what you felt when you went to those types of games. So I, I don't want to put too much into, you know, one victory, but um, I, I feel like it was not only a, a, a turning point in a, in a building block for uh, the football team, for the coaching staff, but also for the fan base. Um, you, you know, there are a lot of people that are now looking ahead. There are a lot of people that are looking ahead to SMU and I think are starting to feel like, hey, I, I believe that we can win these games. And, and the great thing is, as both Wags and Ward said, I don't think we've played our best game yet. I think there's a lot of work that can be done on defense. I think there's a lot of work that will be done on, on offense. So I, I think it's really exciting right now to be a Navy fan. Um, and, and I can't help but already start to look ahead and start thinking about what we're going to talk about on Wednesday. To put a finer point on what Chris is talking about with the fans, um, class of 25 props, they seriously were the 12th man. And when, when they were making that last um, drive and they got into the red zone, the UCF offense could not hear the quarterback clapping to snap the ball. It, it was intense. It, it made the hair on my arms stand on end. A great, great spirit by the plebes. And that may be what Chris is talking about in terms of an absence of that, an absence of that heretofore is what gave them that intensity. But whatever led to that, they definitely brought it and it definitely helped. So good on you. Class and, of and there were, and there were empty seats in the stadium. So if you're a fan of Navy sports, get your ass out to the game next week, you, you know, call Matt Munley and his team and, uh, and buy tickets. I'd love to see that place packed uh, ne- next week. Um, you, you know, to make that that twelfth man uh, that the class of twenty five brings make it even more uh, scary for the opposing team. Chris, you know, I'm going to comment. I I I agree with you. I was shocked when I looked out and saw the crowd. You know, they announced thirty thousand something. That that must have been paid tickets, but but not all of those people showed up, and that's really really disappointing. I mean. Navy fans are supposed to be thick and thin, you know, no matter what they show up. And that was really disappointing. I know the team was off to an 0-3 start and and people are frustrated and upset, but you still got to show up for a home game. Come on. Yeah. The, I mean, I I will say this, that you're always going to have the same dynamic and whether they're ticket holders or not, you're always going to have the same dynamic on the, on the blue side, at least from my personal recollections and, and the gold side too, that, a lot of people just want to be at the stadium. A lot of people, you know, want to be there to tailgate with their class. There are a lot of reunions. A lot of those reunions end up just 
hunkered down in the tents watching it on TV while they reminisce and get back together and, and they don't go up to their seats. But, you know, the, I, I will say this, that as I was watching the, the final four minutes of the game with my 13-year-old son up there in the upper deck outside of the press box, um, it was loud. I mean, it was really, really loud. And that was, that was refreshing. I mean, particularly after last year with no fans and, and the collective quiet that COVID has brought, um, to really feel that energy for a stadium that probably had between four and 5,000 empty seats and no-shows, uh, something tells me uh, that when SMU comes calling next week and the weather forecast, not to steal Ava Marie's thunder here, but the weather forecast looking out on the horizon looks like another perfect day next Saturday, uh, something tells me that we might see a little bit more uh, fans in the stands. So, um, Wags Ward, Chris, I, I thought expert analysis, really good takes, really good win in the end. Um, anyone for a last word before we go to the break here on the Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis postgame report? Well, like you just said, mentioned, John, the road does not get easier. SMU improved to 5-0 and yesterday. After that, it's Cincinnati. Um, I mean, it's just a hard road. Well, I think it's Memphis on the road, night game, Thursday night ESPN game, then Cincinnati. I mean, this league is something else. And Memphis actually got upset. I guess they consider an upset by Temple yesterday in Philadelphia. But, I mean, this schedule is murderous. But And that's why yesterday was so important. Navy had to get some confidence, had to get some mojo, some positive momentum, because the schedule just doesn't let up. And if you start feeling beaten down, it could have gone really south. I'm feeling good about beating SMU. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, all we have to do is point to the stats from yesterday. Um, the team stats are the total indicator of why the result was what it was. First downs, Navy with 26, UCF 17. Rushing yards, Navy with 348. Time of possession, almost 40 to 20 disparity. Now, the two things that stand out are penalties, uh, eight for 72 yards, and turnovers, too. Now, if you can keep those team stats that I mentioned before those last two up in that range, then, yeah, SMU is going to have a tough time. And if Ty Lavatai um, continues to run the offense the way that he did, I'll, I'll echo what I said on Instagram. He needs to just run the option a bit more efficiently. He needs to hold the ball and make that defensive end commit a bit more before doing the pitch or deciding to cut inside. You cut down on the turnovers. You let him run the option a little bit more. He got he has to hit receivers a little bit more, and I think SMU is going to be in trouble. Ward? I, I echo exactly what you just said, particularly and we made comment of this at the tailgater after the game, is Ty's one fault, or the one obvious one to my eye, is the deception on the triple option when he's going to keep it is, uh, is not there. You know, and I, I don't know if in his head, his last orders were do not fumble, but you know, he, he grabs it with both arms and you just know he's, he's not even thinking about pitching it. And, and so I think this keys the defense and I, I can say the results speak to that uh, as well. But what we saw as Wags pointed out when the dives working and it hasn't worked this season so far, that opens up the ends, and then, like Wag said, that opens up the passing game. And so the dive was working. This was 
Navy football to Wags's question then, can we beat, if not compete with SMU? And my sense is, to your point, John, if we can clean up the discipline issues, you know, if, if receivers will catch balls that are in the numbers, if we can stop the false starts, if Diego can keep his wits about him and not do things like hit guys out of bounds. And let's be honest, it wasn't that big of a hit, but it was just untimely. Um, you know, it's ironic that we had a false start that backed us up and we went from fourth and one to fourth and six and then made the first down. It's like the first sort of dynamic wasn't easy enough, so we had to make it harder. So again, the team never lost faith. They never lost focus, even in the face of, of situations where it would have been easy to. And, and maybe in the previous three games, they did lose focus in the face of these sort of missteps. So all of the this confluence leads me to believe, to quote Chet, expect to win. So I, I fully think we can compete with anybody in the AAC, if not beat them. That's the beauty of a well-run triple option. And we showed presence of a well-run triple option yesterday so i believe we can i i think we can beat smu cincinnati's well, a different the, matter cincinnati's a different <laughs> matter um, i was just gonna say that smu yeah cincinnati yeah. just beat notre dame that was pretty impressive by cincinnati yeah you gotta love yeah, it and when they announce that score in the stadium and people cheer right yeah i mean it, we, the enemy of my enemy is my friend even if they're a conference rival well, I'll tell you what, Chris Cervello and I, and I'm going to give Chris the final word on on the the game that was, but Chris Cervello and I were talking about this morning that based on the schedule, uh, Cincinnati could come in here possibly ranked as high as three in the country. Um, Penn State and Iowa have to cancel each other out next week. Uh, there are a couple of other really good games that will, that will probably eliminate teams ranked ahead of Cincinnati. And it begs the question, um, and I'm going to do the research on this. I'm sure Strass and his team have it like on the top of their heads. But I, I don't know who the highest ranked team uh, Navy has ever played inside of Navy Marine Corps Stadium. I know that games. I do know the answer to this. It's Houston. Let me hear it. It's Houston. Um, it, what year was that? 2016. Like, yeah, four or five years ago. But they were like yeah. seven. They were ranked the number six. They were ranked yeah. six. Right. Well, um, actually, I'll weigh in here. The the game that is most famous for Navy is back in the 80s when they beat South Carolina when they were ranked four and South Carolina had George Rogers, the, the Heisman Trophy tailback. That was, yep. the, the greatest was that a home game. Was that a home game? Yep. That was the Navy Marine okay. Corps Memorial Stadium. That's correct. Okay. So it's possible if all the things happen that, that possibly happen, and I'm not talking about major upsets. I mean, you've got, I mean, next week, and we'll talk about it in the preview show for next week, it is a must-watch college football day next Saturday. Um, there are like six or seven incredibly marquee matchups in the Big 12 and the SEC in the Big 10. Um, and, and again, based on how the next two weeks goes, maybe Cincinnati is as high as number three in the country when they come to Navy Marine Corps Stadium. I'm just putting it out there to the brigade right now that if you beat the number three ranked team in the country and you don't rush the field afterwards, you're wrong. So, Chris, over to you for the final word. Uh, before we go to break. So the first thing I'll do, John, is reference my favorite Winston Wolf quote, right? I mean, let, let's not get, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let, let's, uh, <laughs> All right. That's you know, paraphrased, but yeah. I yeah. Got let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, great win. You guys broke it down. Now they focus on SMU. Now they do the things that you guys uh, talk, talked about. I want to focus my last bit on 
uh, the fan base and on our sponsor base. You know, as somebody that doesn't live in Annapolis and that comes up on the weekends for the games, um, it is just starting to feel like football, right? Uh, on the Believe in Navy podcast that WAGS hosts with Keenan Reynolds and Eric Katani, um, both Eric and Keenan talked about an Ivan Jasper quote that, hey, when the triple options run in, you do not want to face Navy in October. You definitely felt that yesterday. Um, I think they've got to amp that up even more as they go into this uh, further into this tough schedule. But I, I want to expand it more. I want to say you don't want to come to Annapolis in October. So we need our fan base out there. Uh, we need people supporting the sponsors of this podcast. And, you know, let, let's as they amp up their game, let's amp up our 12th man game um, so that we make it just absolutely miserable uh, to come into our house. Could not agree more. Yeah. And as Chris said, many thanks again to the Graduate Hotel for sponsoring and, and being there for our pregame show. Many thanks to Billy Hurley for swinging by before the Friends of Navy Golf event. Many thanks to Chris Hoffman and Mike Heary for being there as our guest pickers. And again, many thanks to all of our fans, including um, everyone that we come, came in contact with and talked to during the game and out there on the blue side. Um, a thanks again to Dry 85 of Annapolis uh, for being a great sponsor. And again, this is. This entire post-game show is not possible without the good people at Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we will talk about all of the other results from the weekend really quick and then send you on your way. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. Thanks again for joining our Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis post-game podcast. If you're looking for more in-depth coverage of Navy football, check out Bill Wagner, Keenan Reynolds, and Eric Catani on the Believe Podcast Network. That's B-L-E-A-V, Believe. They do a recap show that looks just at the week that was in Navy football, and then they do a pod later in the week that looks ahead at the upcoming game. You can find that podcast, and it's called Believe in Navy Football, B-L-E-A-V in Navy Football. You can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. So in addition to Sing Second Sports, check out Believe in Navy Football. Now back to the pod. Hey, hey, welcome back, everyone. As always, it's great to just sit around and talk on a Sunday morning with the uh, cup of coffee with, um, you know, with our friends here. And, you know, it's, it's, like, we're, it's like we're roommates, you know, Ward Wags and, and Chris and I talking about football the next morning. Um, but what a great, what a great game to, to recap. So um, let's talk about some other results over the weekend. Number one, someone better, someone better put the alarm out on how good Navy men's soccer is. Um, went up to Holy Cross and just trounced those dudes three nil. When I say went up to Holy Cross, played Holy Cross at home on Saturday. Uh, goals by Joe Alex, uh, Babakali and Jacob Williams. Um, you know, a, another good win after a midweek uh, midweek uh, trip up to, I believe, Bucknell. Um, they are just a red-hot soccer team and really enjoyable to watch. They're big, they're athletic, they're fast. Um, so again, you know, it, we put out the call to action for fans to come to come to Navy football games. Do not sleep on on how entertaining it is to watch Navy men's soccer from Glenn Warner. Uh, they had a great day, and they're going to continue to, in my opinion, kind of crush it in a Patriot League this year that I think is very winnable for them. Women's soccer. It is a trip of horrors to Hamilton, New York. I hate it. I know that they don't like it. 
Um, they had to travel up there and play Colgate uh, yesterday. Uh, Daunt had a goal. Uh, it ends up going to OT, tied 1-1, and Maddie Gallagher, there, there was, <laughs> I'll tell you what, it was reminiscent of the last time they played Colgate during the Patriot League, um, during the Patriot League tournament, when it went to PKs and we ended up getting out of there with the win. But Maddie Gallagher had to stop a PK during overtime in order to secure the tie 1-1 with Colgate. So hats off to Navy women's soccer for going up to a place where I can't remember us getting a win when I was there. Um, it's just a tough road trip and they came away with a one, one draw. I know that's not what Karen and the ladies wanted. Um, but you know, it, it, it kind of reverses a couple of bad games and hopefully they can come back here and get a win the next time out. Uh, volleyball, uh, started the weekend with a three set win at Bucknell and then a really tough five set loss, uh, yesterday. Uh, to Lehigh, uh, volleyball losing in five sets to Lehigh. Water polo, um, yeah, they're, they're living La Vida Loca, as I believe the, the phraseology goes, out in L.A. You know, you want to talk about tough schedules. You know, we talk about how, like, in college basketball, teams schedule, like, really daunting pre-conference schedules where they're playing Duke and Kansas and Kentucky. I mean, Louis Nicolau has this team playing some juggernauts. They went out to LA and played UC Santa Clara and UCLA uh, coming away with losses in both losing to Santa Clara seven, five and UCLA 13, five, but you know, probably a very cool road trip out there to LA for those guys. They're playing the very best competition there is. And again, that's what the physical mission is all about here. Um, you know, you're not just competing. You want to compete against the best. Um, and that's what's great about the American Athletic Conference for, for the football guys and, and the Patriot League competition, um, you know, is, is going up and up and up. And, and these athletes are getting the chance to play some of the very best there is out there in all of these sports. Uh, a couple of stars uh, were won over the weekend. Softball beat Army. Sprint football beat Army. Um, so hats off to these guys. Um, and we, we have to, you know, we, we addressed it. Uh, here recently with volleyball, there are some sports that we have yet to talk about here on the Sync Second Sports Podcast. You are not forgotten. Um, we will get to you. But hats off to these guys for beating Army over the weekend. Um, that was uh, the week that was. There were the, you know, the sailors were sailing and there were a couple of other events cross-country-wise. Uh, Wags, I'll turn it over to you. Um, any last words before we take this baby out, uh, before we start SMU week? I just wanted to give a little more love to the sprint football team because that's their biggest game of the year. They went up to West Point, beat Army 14 to 6. Um, they've got a new coach, Alfonso Matus, and he said the team played their hearts out. Uh, great defense by Paul Kuehler, eight tackles, six of which were solo. And uh, quarterback Brand Brandon Atwood uh, completed 14 of 26 passes for two touchdowns and uh, a big Completion on a fourth and four for uh, nine yards went to Adam Weisenfels. And you may remember that his father, Bob Weisenfels, was a great Navy football player and track athlete and ended up competing in the Olympics in the bobsled. So good to see uh, the lineage of Weisenfels uh, playing sprint football. Ward, any final words? Media, timeout, jumbotron activity. The GOAT combine is a smash hit. So good, good on the, uh, the ops folks for, uh, for that, that obviously the, uh, the crab race is also, is always a good one. Um, and, uh, I actually, like I've said before, I think if the blue crab wins, 
um, we win. Yesterday, the green crab won, um, and we still won. So maybe that's a Marine Corps thing. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the helmet shuffle is always good, too. But this goat combine is the real deal. So bravo for the folks that run that. Now, this is the important to... stuff. This is the important <laughs> stuff. No, I'm going to engage you on this. Now, d- does the combine change from week to week, or is it going to continue to just be the goat pushing the sled? Do they have, like, other combine, like, a, you know, how high can you jump? you know, doing the shuttle run, like how do you, how do you mix up the combine or is it just going to be always pushing the slut? I, I don't crawl, walk, run. I'm just, I'm just giving them props for what they're doing. <laughs> I think it'll always be goats butting the sleds. And yesterday red one, um, just for the record. I mean, the encyclopedic knowledge of Jumbotron Entertainment by Ward Carroll. I mean, it is a man, he's a man of many talents on the golf course on his YouTube channel and uh, while watching the jumbotron while, while holding this is, a this is why this is why people subscribe this is it this is this is what they're here for this That's is our market advantage this is our market advantage <laughs> chris I'll, I'll give you one final uh one final shot at what we're looking forward to in the week ahead yeah i just look forward to a great pregame show uh on wednesday or thursday whenever we uh you know kind of get everything together uh i look forward to hearing uh keenan eric and wags break down uh, the game even further on the believe in navy podcast uh if you're not a subscriber of that podcast get on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe uh the the conversation between keenan and eric uh is amazing i really enjoyed keenan's tweets yesterday talking about a lot of the same things that we covered um and so i'm looking forward to him really breaking down uh what he thought was good and what he thought ty could do better in, in the games coming up. So it's, it's just, this is the time of year uh, to be a Navy fan. So I'm really excited, John. I agree. Very well said. And, and I'll end with this. Um, I, I really want to give a shout out to Phil Bergman um, of NAAA. Uh, if any of you saw it, um, if you haven't get onto Twitter and, and see what Phil posted. Um, but it, he captured a really great moment with Ty and his mom, Gina um, right there below the lily pad in the, uh, in the, I guess that's the East end zone. Um, you know, of, of Ty and his mom sharing an embrace um, and, and really reveling in a, in a really tender moment um, that was very important. Uh, again, you talk about some of the intangibles, Chris Cervello, like I, I, I think that, you know, just the, 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 love, the love that was in that stadium, the love of this team, the love of Navy sports, the love of the physical mission was all over the place. And to see Ty and his mom embrace like that, uh, the video that Phil captured hats off to you, my man. It was just a such, it was such an amazing moment. Uh, Chris and I were lucky enough as we left the lily pad to run into Gina right after she had hugged him. And, and I'll tell you what, that was one happy woman. So we're so glad that, uh, that Phil captured a great moment between you guys. Uh, for Bill Wagner and Ward Carroll and Chris Cervello, uh, I am John Schofield. Thank you for listening to another great episode of Sing Second Sports. This has been the post-game show brought to you by Sheehy, Lexus of Annapolis. Have a great week. We will see you midweek for our pod, and we are out. Go, Navy. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of the podcast segments.